Hi, I'm Nancy Carmichael, your humble host here on the Isle of Misfits, and I want to thank you for stopping by. Really, I am so thankful to have you here, and I want to let you know that I've already been praying for you. Yeah, you. And I know that might sound a little weird to some of you, but hey, remember where we are, Misfits. But okay, seriously, my hope is that the people who need to hear whatever we might offer on this and every podcast will somehow find their way here. And you did. So there you have it. Answer prayer. Now, we've got a special show for you today with not just one, but two very special guests. It's a first in Isle of Misfits history, and you need to hear from them. I'm just saying. So without any further ado, let's just get right to it. Keep listening. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I think you just got to mix things up, you know, break from status quo, try something new, something different, to boldly go where no misfit has gone before. Well, that's what we're all about here today on the Isle of Misfits, because on the line right now, we have not just one, but two very special guests that I am so excited to talk to today. And they're very different people, mind you. And in a sense, you could say they live in very different parts of the world. And yet somehow their stories have converged and woven together so much so, in fact, that they actually collaborated on a book together. That book is called Seed Life, and it was written by a guy we've talked to before. His name is Justin Jones. Perhaps you you recognize that name. And it has some special contributions from a lady... I like to call Cheryl Auker because that's her name. So without any further ado, I'm just going to step, I'm going to stop right here and welcome you both, Justin and Cheryl, to the Isle of Misfits. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks so much. You are so welcome. And thank you, truly, thank you for doing this because this is new. We are in new territory here doing a three-way conversation. I know it happens in the world all the time around coffee tables around the world. And yet here we've never done this. So so we're going to see. We're going to see how this goes. This is a cool experiment today. We're excited. All right. So I know Justin. Justin, you know, we've known each other for a long time. And Cheryl, you're one of those people that I feel like I know because I know all these people who know you. And yet, um, yeah. <laughs> so, But today we're going to get to know each other a little bit more. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. All right. So one of the ways we do get to know each other around here, Justin is very familiar. I've tortured him with this method several times. And Cheryl, welcome. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the stupid game club. Are you both ready to play my stupid game? Yeah, I think so. Already. Okay. You're ready. Okay. That's what I like to hear. All right. So today's game, because this is a special edition, we never get to do this. I'm going to pit you against each other because that's just the way I am. A little competition between. All right. Oh, and before, actually, before we do, I have to, we have to let this out. So, how do you two know each other, by the way? Well, I married into a great family of which Cheryl is part of that. So, I married Janelle. Uh, Cheryl's sister, and uh, a lot of people, strangely enough, as we've been going around, and she's been, we've been talking about Seed Life, and um, she's been back in the States, everybody confuses them together um, to the point where one of my neighbors like thought that she was Janelle for a little while, and I was like, wait, you're not Janelle. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, close, but Probably yes. Yes, well, yes, and you do You do have that bright and cheery voice that your sister Janelle has. So, all right, so now that we've established brother and sister-in-law, so a little friendly competition, here's how the game's going to go. So I did not supply you with buzzers or, or, or bells, so you're going to have to be your own buzzer. You can buzz any way you like. You can go zzz, or you can yell, you can scream, but this is how you're going to chime in. So I'm going to give you a question. First one to buzz in gets a chance to answer and, and show their superiority. Okay. okay, you got it? Okay, ready. You with me, Justin? I'm ready. He's there. Okay. All right, so this first question is a true or false. It is based on the continent, not the country of Africa. Some people think Africa is a country. It's not. It's a, it's a continent. It's a big place. Okay. <laughs> so it's a really big continent. Here's your question. Termite hills, perhaps one or both of you are familiar with those, True or false, termite hills can be the size of a house. Buzz. Cheryl, it's yours. True or false? That counts. <laughs> that counts. Yes, that counts. True. That is true. <laughs> and you would know. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that you've seen them. I have. I have seen really giant ones. Um, were they the size of a house? Especially as I've been in Congo. Yeah. They were, they were taller. We'd actually have to climb up one to get any sort of cell phone reception. Wow. <laughs> That's a big <laughs> and then you can look over the houses. Nice. So I actually, I got to see yeah. them too. I was in Africa several years back um, in Mozambique. And yes, I saw oh. them there and they were quite big. So, okay, one for nice. Cheryl. Yeah. All right, Justin, you got three more chances. Okay, number <laughs> I'm, two. I'm bring it. Okay, bring it. Bring it. Okay, this one speaks to gardening. That's all I'm going to tell you. So you both know a little something about this. All right? Uh-oh. Another true or false. Yeah. There are more microorganisms in one teaspoon of soil than there are people on Earth. Is that true or false? Uh, oh, gosh. Who I is kind it? of put you off. Does that count? Uh, that you mm, oh, boy. <laughs> I don't have any judges here. You know what? Just, just to be fair and equitable, I'm going to give this one to Justin just to give him a chance. True or false? <laughs> It's true. You're right. It is true. Actually, we should consult Cheryl, who's who's the expert. We'll find out in a minute why. Is that true or is it false? I, I was also going to respond true. Yes, I love microorganisms, so she I loves just like to think that there are that many. And I love people who love microorganisms, so this is just... <laughs> This is just. You're talking to two of them. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? I bet we're the only people right now talking about microorganisms. Although you never know; it's a big world. So, okay, all right. So we got one and one. Even though we know Cheryl knew the answer anyway. All right, number three. This one is multiple choice. It's about. It's we're back to Africa. Okay, Victoria Falls. Okay. You both, you both have heard of Victoria Falls. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. That's not the question. Okay. I yeah. haven't lived next to it though. So. Okay. All right. So, but you've probably read about it. Okay. So here's your multiple choice. So it's it's name. I'm not even sure you probably know this better than I do, Cheryl. I'm just getting my information from the internet. We we all know that. Okay. So it's uh, Mosi Oa Tunya is the the is that how I don't even know. Maybe I'm not pronouncing it right, but I'm um, just gonna. Are you here, pronounce it for us? Fine. Okay. You can pronounce it if Mosi you like. Tunya. Mosiatunia. Mosiatunia. Okay. What does that mean? That's the meaning of Victoria Falls. That's how you would say it. Is it A, falling tuna waters, B, smoke that thunders, or C, tourist trap? The meaning of Victoria Falls. But Cheryl, it's yours. (laughs) Smoke smoke that thunders. Are you sure it's not falling tuna waters? Because I really like that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, okay. And uh, I guess you're right. So, all right, you got that right. Yes, I, I butchered the question, no but you would even you had no chance. Well, I thought you know you're so well read, Justin. I thought you at least had a chance. <laughs> okay, all right. I lived at one point. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's like being in Buffalo, which you both are right now, away from yeah, Niagara Falls. That's true. Yeah, so water, you're just close to waterfalls wherever you go. All right, last question, yeah. and then we'll move on to the important stuff. All right, this one, you both have a chance because you either both will know this or you both won't, and it'll. we'll just see where this one goes. Now, one uh-huh. other thing you both have in common is that you're more or less kind of from Pennsylvania. I know that, Justin, you lived there, right, for a long time as a yep. youngster. I was and born Cheryl, and raised there, yeah. You're born and raised, and Cheryl, that's where your family's based, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And and I'm there right now. So see how it all comes together. So oh. this is about Pennsylvania, and this is about the star of a beloved Christmas movie, which, in my humble opinion, in my humble opinion, is the greatest movie of all time. The okay. So this is the movie's about a man who learns that no man is a failure who has friends after an encounter with an angel called Clarence. He was born in Indiana, Pennsylvania, the star of this movie. Name that star of this movie about a man who has an encounter with an angel named Clarence. And then the phone um, maybe, maybe Buzz? <laughs> okay, okay, you all right, you got it. Yes, yes, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Is it is it White Christmas? No! Justin, can you steal no. it? <laughs> I don't know my classic. I know. Is is it um, George Bailey? I know the movie. I just George Bailey. Buffalo. Yeah. Yes. I know the movie. I that's not the name of the name movie. Of Which one is okay. it? All right. Well, actually, the name of the movie. I'm going to give you the name of the movie because we're ta- we're looking for the name of the the guy who starred in it. Who was Person born himself. In Indiana, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh. Yes. So the movie is called It's a Wonderful Life. Only the greatest movie of all time. That's okay that you don't know the name of that movie. <laughs> who starred in it? So that's cute. what we're looking for. Who is born? Oh, I have yes. no idea. I am like the worst person in the world with actors and actresses. So I know you knew everything. That's <laughs> not that. Not that. I just can't believe it. How have you known me all these years and not known? I, I, I only talk about I, this movie all the time. I know. I know. I'm sorry. That's okay. There is forgiveness here. This is a this is a show about grace. Okay, I'm just going to give you the answer, and I'm giving myself the point. This is the first time in the history of the show that I'm getting the point. The man is, it was George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, who was born in Indiana, oh. Pennsylvania. Gosh. I almost thought of yeah, doing my Jimmy Stewart impersonation. Mr. Potter, Merry Christmas. So, okay, that's okay. So... <laughs> All right, so if my math is correct, I believe Cheryl came out ahead. I believe she got two points to your one, Justin. Um, very true. That was nice. I could share oh, my point with you, you and thank then you. just call it a tie. So congratulations to both <laughs> of you. Um, I Yes, I am pleased to announce that your prize, I don't know how we're going to get this to you, Cheryl, because I know you're, well, we'll talk about that. You're going to be out of the country soon enough, but when you come back, there will be an Isle of Misfits mug waiting for you at the oh how nice so yes until then maybe janelle can share it and they can have coffee together yes so thanks for (laughs) thanks for playing guys that took a long time but you're so yeah totally my doing but all right you are so wonderful and kind and gracious to play the game and you're still talking to me so i'm going to keep you on the line as long as i can while you're still putting up with it so all right 
I promised, all right, we already talked about how you know each other. I want to start this conversation with Cheryl. Um, so Cheryl, you, as I understand it, you are the sustained division director of an, an organization called Overland Missions. Tell us a little bit about what that means. Sure. So Overland Missions is um, based out of Florida, and I've lived on one of their main international bases outside of Livingston, Zambia, now for the last, like, eight years. And our heart with Overland is really to spark a viral move of God in the nation. And so we want to raise up local leaders, really see that the Holy Spirit change lives, and then have people so on fire with what God has done in their lives that there's no other response but to continue sharing it. And so it starts this ripple effect as we go into communities. And um, the division that I'm in charge of is called Sustain, as you said. And our heart is to do this through agricultural development. And so it's really, um, there's, it's kind of multifaceted in what we talk about, even with um, looking to, to God and Him alone and not relying on um, witchcraft and, and other traditional beliefs that are really fear-based and really hold people back from seeing the, the fullness of, of what their life can be in Christ. And also concentrating a lot on natural resources, and so using what God has placed around people already, even kind of going off of the the phrase that the Lord spoke to Moses when he's calling Moses, and Moses is really reluctant, and the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? And he says, a staff, and he was just a shepherd, it was an ordinary thing. But then that staff was the same thing, that part of the Red Sea that brought water from the rock, just amazing things came from such an ordinary tool. And so we really look at, at this and instead of bringing in inputs, bringing in fertilizer, bringing in certain seed, we're able to go into communities and tell them that the promises of God are for them today. And as the Lord said that he's, um, through his divine power, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Okay, we're going to say, we're, we're going to take him at his word then we better look for the things that he's provided around us. And so it's putting those things into practice. Yield increase, people see the provision of God firsthand, and it kind of automatically prompts them to be missional, because when you're holding this, like, huge corn cob in your hand, you see a whole field in front of you. It's like, oh, the Lord has provided for me. This is what it means to be his, ch- his child. Let me run out and tell everybody that I know. Right, because it's not this abstract, uh, metaphorical thing. It's like it's like a real, it's tangible. Oh, you mean this really yeah. affects yeah. my real life? How cool yeah. is that? So, so yeah. So, what you're talking about, um, there's there seems to be a term for that. As I've as I've read up on you and and heard all kinds of things about what you're doing, it seems that one of the tools that you're using to kind of disseminate this this message is uh, something called farming. God's way. Uh, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Farming God's Way um, is from Zimbabwe, and um, now it's based in South Africa, and it's really a, a biblically-based conservation agriculture program, and it kind of, you know, it starts in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, and the Lord God planted the garden, and so he's the first farmer. And it continues in verse 15, saying that he put Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. And so even at the very beginning, we had this relationship with creation, and it was it was part of the, the peacefulness of the garden. Like before um, any sort of sin entered the picture, 
man was called to participate in creation and, and to interact with it. And so we, we kind of take these concepts today and, and see the natural um, forest, so like the untouched land, we would say, okay, this is how God made his garden. How do we take the principles that we see in the forest that sustain it, that um, make it productive year after year? How do we take those concepts and bring them into our agricultural field? Because the way that we're farming is a lot different than the way God is. And the way that we're farming ends up being really destructive, ends up providing really uh, minimal yields. And so how do we take these principles that God has established and bring them into our farms? And we see these principles, like, as I said, through the, the natural creation, through decomposition cycles, through those wonderful microorganisms that we were talking about. And then we also see it through the Word. And so we kind of bring, um, really, it's it's a gospel approach to agriculture. It's not just, we're not just Christians who happen to practice agriculture, but the agriculture we practice is a natural outflow of the gospel's work in our lives. Okay, so you talk about some of the ways that are destructive, like some of the farming techniques that haven't haven't been so successful. Like, what would be an example of something that has been a destructive farming technique? So one of the, I, I guess there's different ones with, with plowing, with burning crop residue. One of the ones that, that we see, even if we can convince people to go with a, a no-till or a, a minimal soil disturbance disturbance method, one that's the most difficult is burning organic matter. And so a lot of times, like, you have leftover corn stalks in a field, you have um, different weed material or grass growing up. And so what often happens is that that stuff is, is cut down, but then it's raked up in a pile and burned. And what that does is it leaves the soil exposed to the sun. It causes soil um, cracking. It causes evaporation, or it really increases evaporation because of the, um, the soil exposure. It really prompts erosion and loss of water because the water is coming so fast that it doesn't have time to infiltrate and that just rushes off fields. And so we can actually, instead of seeing this and losing that organic matter, we can actually have people leave crop residue, leave um, or bring in grass and lay it on their fields as a mulch covering. And it helps to hold in water. It helps to build soil structure, feed soil microorganisms, uh, slows down water infiltration. And so there's such a benefit to leaving the, the residue, leaving the, the grass on the field as a covering rather than raking it up and burning it as is so common. Right. Okay. So you... You sound like you kind of know what you're talking about here. Um, yeah, and that could be because <laughs> I hear you have, um, what is it, a master's degree in agriculture, right, from Texas A&M? Yeah, I studied um, agricultural development and kind of focused on adult education. So, yeah, so there's, there's some authority behind your words. So um, it's, that's really fascinating, too, because, you know, all I don't know a whole lot about farming. Um, I think I want to learn more after listening to all this. But some of that is, you know, things that have been, I don't, you know, maybe even centuries of practice that, that well, we've always done it this way, and yet, maybe are counterintuitive to to what actually is productive, what actually does sustain and, and does not just sustain but, but helps crops to thrive. And what's really fascinating is that aside from the literal tangible applications in the agricultural world, there seems to be some some parallels to 
to things that are perhaps more spiritual. And this is where I want to bring Justin into the conversation, because although this is a huge part of what you do, Cheryl, I imagine, mm-hmm. I imagine that what you've done and as you've over, over the years, you know, interacted with Justin and, and of course, Janelle, and um, that what you're doing has had some influence on maybe some of some of the deep thoughts that Justin already has. So, Justin, you're still with us, right? You didn't go away because you lost. The I am. Right? I am. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't want you to feel bad. All right. You're still there. So, all right. So let's let's bring you into this. So I I'm kind of feeding you this question, but um, I I would imagine that some of these thoughts, some of these things you're sharing, have had some influence on you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, in the book, I talk about you know a lot of the stories start with. I was talking to my sister-in-law one day, and she, <laughs> we several years ago, probably uh, five six years ago, she was back on. She goes back every couple of years um, to be back here in the States. So we were talking and, um, you know, Sarah and I, we chat a lot. Of, we, we read a lot of the same books. We love to chat about a lot of deep spiritual things. But I was really interested because I, I had never really grown anything in my life um, before. Never thought it would necessarily. And we were talking one of the times she was back. And it just got me interested in it. You know, I was, I was listening to that and and just hearing some of uh, what she had learned and what she was practicing and teaching people got me interested and so i went out and bought uh this square foot gardening book from just is on sale at a wegmans or something and uh that year i installed a garden for the first time and i started practicing this and once i did it for a summer i just got hooked and, and thought it was great and so I, I continued to study that and would have conversations with her but also continued to study on my own got into uh, learning a lot about permaculture and so that's you know i really permaculture is a um, connects a lot with what she's um, teaching people and so we've been able to expand a lot of knowledge into that too but okay, the thing uh, that, wait, um, i'm gonna i'm gonna interject right there i have to i'm so sorry i feel like eric metaxas yeah, no but problem. i must permaculture define that please what is permaculture Basically, permaculture is a way of thinking uh, about gardening and farming in terms of how to um, work with nature instead of against nature. So basically, it's about observation and interaction. It's about observing how nature does it, how God designed things to work, and and then interacting with the systems that you're trying to design uh, around that. So it's designing gardens, designing farms in such a way that they reflect nature. So um, there's been times that people have come onto permaculture orchards or farms, and they'll walk through an entire forest and look to the person's house and be like, "Man, this is crazy! How do you uh, like? Where's your actual farm?" And they're like, "Well, you just walk through it. You know, it's a forest. But the forest, every plant in there is specifically designed to produce food and to work together um, in a way that God designed it to work." Interesting. Um, so it's kind of like, kind of, yeah, yeah, like hiding in plain sight. And it's about long-term sustainability, and and so that's where, you know, a lot of what Cheryl's teaching people, um, you know, a lot of stuff I've been learning, it's like, wow, that connects so much with what she's teaching people, and she's taught me a lot more about how to make those things work. I'm always asking her questions when she comes back about how to make things better and how we're designing things at our property and stuff, too, so... Right. So, all right. So, Cheryl, I got to ask you. So, the first time, like, uh, you know, I know you come back every so often. Obviously, you're home on a on a furlough right now, getting ready to go back. But, um, like, mm-hmm. that first garden of Justin and Janelle's, like, uh, do you, can you picture it in your mind? Like, what what were your thoughts when you saw how how they do? Is what I want to know. It was great. Yeah, it was it was a great first garden, and it's it's kind of fun because they're. Um, 
just so into like researching it and everything and so I feel like I I didn't do much to like push it along like they they had a thought and then kept researching and it's been so fun to kind of be a part of it from a distance as well I I end up always coming back in the in the winter time so I never get to see things in action so I get to just have a garden tours and stuff at a distance but it's been cool to see how everything's developed our little son judah likes to give her video tours occasionally so. yeah nice it's nice. really great so, yeah he knows so what everything see... is of course yes he's being trained up in the way he should go so all right so here you are having this influence cheryl in in zambia and in Africa, in the uh, in the Demo- the Republic of Congo, right? That's also a place where you do farming God's way. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So you're influencing there, but and yet somehow you're even influencing people back here in the states, who are in turn influencing people within communities like Buffalo, New York, and beyond through this book that Justin wrote. But not just Justin. I hear that you have had a hand. In fact, I know it because I've been reading it, that you've had a hand in this book as well. So, yeah, so um, so Justin, tell us, how, how did this all come together? Like, you know, just this idea for this book, and yeah, tell us a little bit about that. So over the past three years, um, in my position as pastor of spiritual formation at our church, um, I felt God was calling me to write um, three books that would represent the, the pathway that we feel like God wants to, the trajectory God wants to put people on and uh, set set the course for that. And so uh, I wrote a book called Engage and then Reboot. And then this third year, I wanted it to be about um, engaging every person, about living a kingdom lifestyle, about evangelism, basically. Um, and so last year, as I got finished with Reboot and just was praying about what God would want for this year, um, just really... Because what what started to happen several years ago when Cheryl got us started on this path of actually practicing gardening, I think what got me hooked beyond just the food and what I write about in the book is is I just started to, for the first time ever, really understand Jesus' parables. Uh, because you read about them, and you read about the soils, and you read about, um, you know, roots of bitterness, or you read about different things, and you talk about certain spiritual practices or spiritual um, themes. And then you actually do it, and you actually feel it, and you actually experience what it's like in real life. And what people of the day, I mean, it was an agrarian society, so people of the day would have known these things. Um, but the percentage of farmers in the country today is, is so radically low that most people have never experienced what this is like. And so as I started to actually physically experience it, I said, wow, I think this is a picture of what some of these parables are talking about, about kingdom, or the kingdom of God and about kingdom multiplication and and all that kind of stuff. And so as I got to, I, I spent several months when I'm writing these books just trying to get my head straight around it and researching and stuff. And so as I was doing that, um, just thinking about how cool it would be because, again, many of the, the stories I was going to tell start with, I was talking to my sister-in-law or my sister-in-law told me that I should raise worms in my basement or, you know, things like that. Um, okay, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Raising worms. It's not in as your strange basement. as it sounds. Yes, do you, no. But do you think we 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 you think we can't talk about that? No, I don't think so. What are you talking about? <laughs> raising worms in your basement. Yeah, so there's a process called vermicomposting. We use worms to compost things, and uh, it's a way. Like in Buffalo, it's hard for to keep compost going in the winter time, and so it's a way that you could compost in the winter in the snow because you do it inside. 
Uh, and you order worms from a worm farm, and they get sent to On purpose. You're doing package. this on purpose. On purpose. On purpose. Okay. And I, I, I write in the book that I do feel like I was crossing a line at that point. Like there was a lot of, <laughs> you know, metaphysical questions going through my mind at that point. But, yeah, so I, but, yeah I she had an influence in that. So. But, yeah. So I'm telling these stories, and I'm thinking, like, and I know her awesome ministry that she has and that she's doing over in Africa, and just thinking, like, what better way? Because, you know, when you're talking about sharing the gospel and kingdom living, it really comes down to the stories. You know, I want to do some teaching through this book, but primarily I wanted people to hear the stories of what's really going on and how we can live that same life. And so I thought, what a better way than to have Cheryl really write about those. And uh, she wrote some really beautiful spotlights about the book uh, that are just, you know, talking about the ministry that she's seeing happening. And I thought it would be a great way to say, hey, this is happening in Africa. And that doesn't mean it shouldn't be happening here, too, you know. And so, um, so it really helped to kind of put a face and a picture and a real-life story to some of the teaching I was hoping to do through the book as well. Right. And and I have to say here, and I want to be careful the way I say this, because, Justin, you know, I think you're a wonderful writer. So I'll just I'll just get that out there. Um, I did not I was not familiar with Cheryl's writing or her style. And I just have to say, Cheryl, you you um, you are a beautiful writer. You are what we call a writer's writer. And I say that because I have a sister who writes very similarly to you. But there's there's a beauty to the pictures that you paint with your writing. Oh, thanks so much. I told her the same thing. You know, I think she's she's so great, and she did a great job writing for sure. Yes, and it just and it's just a wonderful the way you complement each other um, with with these passages going you know going back and forth between her stories and illustrations and then how you you take the, all of that and break it down into very readable, practical, engaging um, wisdom. So it's it's a great combination and so Justin one of the things that um, that I really I want to kind of spend maybe a moment or two talking about it's just something that kind of blew me away um, that you wrote about it's this whole idea of building the soil versus tilling the soil and Cheryl you've already alluded to that you kind of actually you you prepared the way for this and setting this up without even realizing <laughs> it um, you know the whole idea of not working against nature not tearing down or destroying but but actually building the soil and justin you you talk about that in your book and obviously you're you know yeah it's true for farming but you're talking about in terms of of evangelism and how we interact with each other in sharing the message uh, you know of words of life of the gospel of jesus and and the way that we do that is so important. And you put it in terms of: Are we building soil, or are we, are we tilling the soil? And what do you mean by that? Yeah. So often when we're talking about evangelism, uh, we're talking within churches. It's pretty common for us to talk about sowing seeds in people's lives, or, uh, those kind of things. But in the book, one of the, the there were three major things: um, soil building, seed sowing, and sun sharing. Um, and, and in the book, I want to talk about if we think about the kingdom of God, the big picture, uh, Cheryl had mentioned that the very beginning back in Genesis, the main task that we've been given was to be part of this garden. And then throughout the whole time, you see that God in John 15, that God is a gardener. And so his heart of a gardener, that this picture that the kingdom of God really is like a garden uh, where 
God, God the Father, Father sent his Son to, to be like the vine that then spread out and uh, seeded us into the soil to help prepare it. And so the big picture is that we are kind of these plants that are then given the opportunity to, to produce fruit, and then that leads to sowing seeds in the people's lives. Now, but one of the great ways, uh, learning from Cheryl and learning from permaculture, um, she was talking about not killing uh, the no-till method is really popular in those, and it's about building soil. It's about um, taking organic matter, and sometimes that even comes from the plant itself. So in the book, I talk about uh, one of the ways we can prepare the soil around us. You know, I think often we focus all the attention on sharing the gospel with people, which is seed sowing. We don't as often talk about what it means to prepare their hearts and work with God to prepare their hearts, because try to emphasize that the whole way through the book. Uh, evangelism is just us working with God and his work. Um, so working along with him to prepare the soil of their hearts. How that works in nature is that you take, even from the plant itself, you can prune a plant, whether it's um, diseased leaves or you know dying leaves or even good leaves. Sometimes it's best to even prune some of the good leaves away so that the plant becomes more productive. But instead of just throwing that stuff away or throwing it in a compost pile, you can build soil around it by um, just laying those leaves in the ground. And what happens is that over time, that stuff starts to die and decay, and then that feeds the soil around it and makes it a lot more fertile uh, to receive seed in the future. And so the picture being that uh, if we allow God to, to, to do this, he sometimes can prune whether they're bad things or good things out of our heart. He can prune those things out of our life in a way that it's actually used to build soil in other people's lives. So he might prune some financial element out of our life, and that could be used to sow seed in other people's lives or prepare the soil in their heart. He could sow, uh, or he could prune even good things, like a hobby out of our lives that's maybe taking too much of our time so that we have more time to prepare the soil of people's hearts around us. And so um, this idea that, you know, he can do those things, prune that stuff out of us so that he can set the environment in somebody's life um, so that they're ready to receive the gospel when the opportunity arises when God wants them to hear that. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm picturing it. I am definitely picturing it, and and it makes total sense to me. Like I'm I'm seeing that picture in my mind of of soil, just the like the leaves and all the all the things, and even the worms. Yes, I'm picturing the worms. You know, uh, creating <laughs> creating that fertile soil. Um, so I asked Cheryl a question a few minutes ago when she was talking about. All right, what what are some of the destructive ways that that you know destructive farming techniques? And she talked about the you know the slash and burn or the burn you know burning um, burning things. What Justin? What so to bring this into preparing soil spiritually? For people's hearts, what are, what would you say would be an example of a way that we, that we maybe prepare soil in a bad way, you know, or, or in a not uh, constructive way? Uh, you talked about tilling. What what would that look like? Yeah, I think yeah, sometimes, sometimes um, um, most of the time, out of out of what we think is a good heart. Um, sometimes not out of the best motives, but whatever the case, um, we can be pretty uh, overt and destructive. Last night we had our small group that was studying through this book, and we were talking that in some other societies and places in the world this might be a little bit different. But especially in America today, in this postmodern culture, um, the odds of you being able to walk up to somebody and just come into their face and kind of be more of a Bible bashing kind of, hey, you just need to know Jesus kind of thing is is not going to, because there's a history of 
um, an idea of what this gospel thing is. A lot of de-churched people, and so the chances of, of us just being able to kind of come in, be very abrasive, be very overt, um, uh, that kind of thing is kind of what I, I picture in the book towards tilling the soil. And as uh, Cheryl was saying about the microorganisms, uh, I, in the book, I talk about how the microorganisms in the soil are kind of what the Holy Spirit's doing behind the scenes. And if we just kind of add and let God prune stuff out of us that just help those microorganisms do their work, um, that's us participating in the kingdom of God, letting God do his work to build soil over time to prepare their hearts versus when we come in and till in the physical world, what that does is automatically destroy the microorganisms and it, it leaves the soil more lifeless than it was before. And um, and I think that's what can happen. Sometimes we rush in, we barge in, we try to force people to have a hard heart into like, you know, you have to know the gospel now and you have to do it this way. And really what that does is it hinders maybe God's work in our hearts to, to bring them to a place of salvation over time. And uh, it's tough. We, we really love people, and we really want that to happen. But sometimes we can actually be uh, destructive in the way we go about it instead of helping God prepare the soil of somebody's heart. Right. And, of course, you know, we don't mean to do that, right? We, we, we have such good intentions. We want... We want a good crop. Every farmer wants a good crop. Every every Christian that takes you know Jesus' great commission seriously, you know, it's our, our job to to share this good news, make disciples of all men, and to the farthest corners of the world. We mean well. Why do you why do you think? And this this is for either one of you. Why do you think that that's where does that disconnect come from? Why why do we think? Well, I got to tear down before I can build up. Where does that come from? <laughs> I, I was just, do you want to weigh in there? You. Well, I, I guess I, I was just thinking about how I feel like for a while we just had, we just had this this push from the church of this like quick um, conversion where it was just like almost like a scaring people almost like a scaring people into receiving Christ. And, And then I feel like some of that still lingers of just like, well, the only thing that matters is to get this person to pray a prayer. And we don't actually see the Great Commission happen where it was go and make disciples. Like, this is about long-term relationship. This isn't about scaring people into making a, a decision for the afterlife. This is about walking with people through the abundant life of Christ that he offers today. And so I feel like that has something... To, to do with the, the kind of climate today and those lingering aspects of like running in, tilling and being like, this is it, you have to choose this, instead of walking with people through a long-term discipleship process that actually transforms their life and they, they walk in the new creation life that they were meant to. And I think, too, um, to, to piggyback on that, thinking about what Cheryl's trying to teach people and, and how I think you talk to a lot of farmers or gardeners, and they might be resistant to, uh, especially you think about the world around us, you talk to farmers and they say, well, there's no way we can produce this amount if we're if we're going to listen to you guys. Like, we got to tell the soil, we got to do these things, and if we don't, then there's going to be all these things that happen. Um, but I think what happens over time is that continually has a short-sighted effect on nature, and it doesn't allow nature to function the way God designed it to sometimes. 
And so I think if that's the case, I think if you put that in the spiritual context in the church, I think, like she was saying, um, we were talking about this at small groups some last night too, that there was a whole generation where it was more of a short-sighted thing of having got to get them to pray, like pray that prayer, and it was all about that. But it becomes a very short-sighted thing, and it's not about discipleship. And if it's not about discipleship, at the end of the day, discipleship is more arduous and it's more intense and it's. You know, it's longer, but it keeps the big picture of the kingdom of God. And in these three books that I've written, really, that's, that's the heart behind them all, is to say, like, like, faith is a journey, it's a process, it's about the whole process of discipleship. And so I think when we keep that in mind, if discipleship is the, game, the, the, the aim, then each one of us as plants becomes productive and produces fruit, and the kingdom of God can actually spread. Um, but just like, you know, in nature, some of the tactics that we use in agriculture have kind of made it where it's this short-sighted thing that's destroying things. I wonder if the same things happen in the church, you know, and now, um, you know, hopefully this can start to keep the big picture in mind again. And I know even as I listen to what Carol is teaching over there, as she gets to share spiritually and help people understand the gospel, that's really what it's about. Hey, now you're part of the kingdom of God, and the same thing you're seeing physically is what you're doing spiritually and sharing the gospel with other people. Right, right, because isn't, I don't know, isn't there like a parable about the seed that fell on the ground and some of it sprang up overnight? And isn't that <laughs> what we want, right? Let's, like you said, we, we need results. We need quick results. And the problem with that is if it, if the soil is no good, if it's, if it's rocky or shallow, then there's no place to take root. And I think, to me, that's kind of what you're talking about. It's not just having a something that springs up overnight that looks like, okay, yeah, this is something, but it's about fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. And that's a long-term yep. endeavor. So bottom line, like to me, all right, there's one sentence that kind of sums up this whole conversation. So I'm just going to read it. I'm going to quote um, I think it came from Justin, but ultimately, because he was influenced by Cheryl, I'm going to give you both credit, and really, it's the Holy Spirit. So he gets all the credit. So anyway, here's the quote. Everything we do simply prepares the environment or hinders the environment for God to do his work. There you have it. I mean, that that just kind of says it all. Mm-hmm. I try to talk a lot in the book about just kingdom potential, and I think you see that when you listen to Cheryl's stories in there, too. Of just What it comes down to is that we have to have a kingdom of God mindset every moment of every day because every chance we get is a chance to influence it towards Christ or away from Christ. And he's the one that does the work. You know, I think part of the results-driven movement of the church that happened over the past generation made it so much about our work. Like, look how much we're doing to save people. And at the end of the day, the kingdom of God is about God's power and influence and saving grace advancing. We're just here to help the environment and uh, to use every moment we've been given, every breath we've been given, um, to help people get closer to him instead of further away. You know? Right, yeah, to make the most of every opportunity that he gives us. And we can we can do that, like you said, in, in agreement, in harmony with what he's already put into place. Or we can say, you know what, no, I think I'll do this on my own strength, my own way. But to circle it back, this is, this is about doing it God's way, farming God's way, sowing seeds mm-hmm. God's way, being just walking in agreement with him, which in the end is really so much easier than trying to do things our way 
Mm-hmm. That's the truth. It's just really living with an awareness that he wants to use us and looking for those, looking for those opportunities. Right, right. Keeping our eyes open for for the opportunities, for the the you know the beauty and the truth and all those things that we like to talk about around here. They're they're there if we would only open our eyes and those opportunities to speak life and speak truth. They they come in ways that maybe we wouldn't recognize unless we're tuned into to uh, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's let's talk about it, how people could get a hold of this book, um, which I highly recommend. I think, you know, having, I've read all three, I've read the whole series, and, and I have to say, I think, you know, they're all, again, they're all, they've been wonderful books. I think there's something really special about this one, I, um, maybe because of the, the collaboration, but, or, or because it's just the culmination of all of all that you've been saying all along, um, I think it's highly worth the read. So, how how can people get a hold of this book? Uh, they're on Amazon. Uh, you can get them in paperback on Amazon, and also if you check on Amazon in the Kindle store, um, it's a way uh, that you can do that. If you buy the paperback version, you get the Kindle version for free. So, um, we try to make nice. them as affordable as possible. Um, also, I think correct me if I'm wrong, show, but if, they, if you go to smile.amazon.com, you can actually support Overland Missions through any kind of purchase you make on Amazon, even even yeah. book. Yeah. So that's true. Okay, so that that's really good to know. So smiles it would be smile slash Amazon or smile.amazon.com. And so Cheryl, um, I know you're heading back to Zambia pretty soon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Going. Um, I fly out on Saturday. Okay, so that's all right. So depending on when this podcast posts, you might already be there. So already if be people there. <laughs> if people want to find you, that's a long way to travel from most. You know, most. Well, we have people all over the world, but a lot of them are in the states. So um, if they can't if they can't sit down and have coffee or tea with you, um, how can they find you? I, I hear you have a blog, or um, are, are you on Facebook, or how how can they find out what you're doing? Yeah, so um, probably the easiest way is to find me on Facebook. I, it's just normal, my, my name. Um, and then also my email is just Cheryl at overlandmissions.com. It's probably the easiest way to contact me as I travel all over the, the place. And I can direct people to the Overland and more information. Excellent. Well, you just there's so much more that we could talk about, and perhaps we'll get to do that in the future. But I just want to thank both of you so much um, for just being willing participants in this great experiment that we've tried today. Um, it's just been wonderful. Thank you both, Justin and Cheryl, for, for sharing all of the wisdom that, that God's given you and for what you're doing. Thanks so much. It was yeah. good to, to chat with you. Thanks so much for having us on. All right. Well, God bless you both, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again, I'm sure, soon. Okay, so that's smile.amazon.com. And no, they're not paying me to plug it, and yet I plug it nonetheless, because if you go there and look up Overland Missions, not only can you get their book, Seed Life, but you can also support the work of Overland Missions, all in one fell swoop good deal. So thankful to Justin and Cheryl for hanging out. And again, thankful to you for hanging out with us today. And since you're obviously still here, 
I'm just going to push my luck. And uh, hey, I'm going to ask you, share these podcasts with your friends if you'd be so kind. Um, even maybe have them subscribe to the isleofmisfits.com. We do giveaways, you know, but you got to be in it to win it. So there's lots of great podcasts coming down the pike in the near future. So stay tuned. Own your awkward. Love your fellow misfits. And look for beauty and truth everywhere.